If ever two were one, then surely we. If ever man were loved by wife, then thee. If ever wife was happy in a man, compare with me, ye woman, if you can. I prize thy love more than whole mines of gold, or all the riches that the East doth hold. My love is such that rivers cannot quench, nor aught but love from thee give recompense. Thy love is such I can no way repay. The heavens reward thee manifold, I pray. Then while we live in love, let so persevere, that when we live no more, we may live ever. Welcome back to Bright Hearth Podcast. We're here in Season 1. We're talking about recovering the lost arts of homemaking and the productive Christian household. I'm Brian Sauvey, here with my wife, Lexi. Hi. And our little lady, Winnie. Winnie, can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> she's eating puffs, so she's pretty content at the moment. She's got her car. You might hear some dad-dads, though. That's her one word, favorite word, my favorite word that she says, too. <laughs> anyway, here to frame this first season, as we said last time, we're in, in, and really organize each episode, we're walking through the rooms of the house, and we're asking the question in each room, what does it look like to obey Christ, to glorify God, and pursue the missio Dei, the mission of God, in this room? So we'll be talking about hospitality in the kitchen and dining table, rest and entertainment in the living room, and things along those lines. So some of the rooms of the house will, recover, will require multiple episodes to cover. We won't be able to cover all of them in one episode. And that includes this room that we're beginning with here in this episode, which is the bedroom. The bedroom. And Lexi just smiled <laughs> as I said that. Try to keep it PG, PG-13 at the, you know, baby. Okay. Okay. So, Lexi, why are we starting here? Why not the front door or some other room that you get to? I mean, you don't walk into the bedroom first, usually. Correct. Fruitfulness. Fruitful, being fruitful and multiplying. Um, the dominion mandate, you know, it really starts with the people. That's the whole point of everything we're doing is loving the people well. That's right. One of the big themes that you're going to hear us hit over and over and over again is that the household is for the people. Because I think, I think this is one of the things that can happen as you are being intentional about trying to recover productivity and fruitfulness in the household is that you can start to fall into the ditch of making the household like an efficiency game, you know, where you're saying, people, why are you ruining my productive household? <laughs> but you're getting it wrong if you think that way. And, and it's true that the bedroom, really all productivity is going to come out of the intimate relationship of the husband and the wife. It's this, the productive, fruitful Christian household is going to come out of the differentness of a husband and wife coming together to make life and fruit and all manner of other things that couldn't happen apart from that union. And I'm not just talking about sex and the sexual relationship, although that really is at the center of it. So we're starting here in the bedroom because the marriage bed, the intimate relationship of the husband and wife, really the relationship of the husband and wife is at the center of the productive Christian household. The household is for the people. The bedroom is where people are made. And if, you know, if you're listening with your kids, we, we're really not going to be like super explicit or anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, that we are going to talk frankly about sex and, and that kind of thing here. We might in the future, we've talked about, you know, this season we're going through the rooms of the house. In the future, we might do a whole season that is really devoted to the sexual relationship of a husband and wife, because I think it's a topic 
that hasn't gotten enough treatment from, especially from like reformed and more theologically, I think, centered Christians, it tends to get a lot like therapy talk. You know, you agree with that? Yeah. And we're calling it a lost art for a reason. People aren't having sex anymore. It's true. Teenagers aren't. That's true. Yeah. A lot of adults aren't. Life patterns are driving out the marriage bed. That's very true. That's very true. They talk about the sex drought that we're in. People are having less sex than they ever have. Um, And there's like a total loss of, I guess you could call it like body literacy in a way. Because we don't talk to our moms anymore as young girls. Our grandmas aren't around anymore. They're at work. So we have no idea about our bodies and how to properly enjoy our marriage beds anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a big topic. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, well, it's not good. It's not good that that's true. But that is a good insight <laughs> is what I mean. So let's let's just jump right in here. And the way that, that it might be helpful to frame this conversation is to look at some of the you know, essentially the duties of a husband and wife in the bedroom. And it might be like, wow, duties? Like, that doesn't sound very romantic. But um, with, with each of these rooms, what you find is that the, one of the most important questions you can ask uh, in order to figure out what it would look like to properly use one of God's gifts is really to say, what are my duties with it, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're going to use money properly, you need to start by saying, well, what is it for? What is wealth for? Because if, if you can't answer that question, then, of course, you're going to misuse that gift. And sex, of course, is a gift from God. In the beginning, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, he said, Let us make man in our image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. God made Adam from the dust of the earth. He made Eve from the side of Adam. And then he brought them together, naked and unashamed, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. So sex was God's idea. Sex is not a result of the fall. Uh, sex is a glorious gift from God. And so maybe let's start with, and this, I didn't actually put this in our outline, but it just came to mind. I think it, it'd be good for us to start here. What are some of the things that go wrong when we get this gift wrong? When sex goes wrong, what other things go wrong? I think immediately comes to mind is shame. Hmm. So there's no more freedom for a wife to be sexually hospitable, if you will. Mm, yeah, that's uh, true. I mean, there's a lot of, that's a very specific sin that I have in mind, you know, like pornography and stuff. But yeah, um, I think too, like really for reals, like people trying to get pregnant, if you're just, if there's something, if there's like lack of communication for whatever reason, or there's actual sin that's unconfessed or like. Uh, bitterness even, a wife withholding. If you're trying to have babies, but you're not having frequent sex, you can't have babies. I ask that. makes it harder. I do. I ask people when they, when they say, like, we're struggling with infertility. Well, how often are you having sex? Yeah. And are you enjoying it or not? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. In the, in the house particularly, if, if the husband and wife, if their relationship, and really at the most intimate heart of the, sex, of the uh, marriage relationship is sex, is the marriage mm-hmm. bed. Yeah. When that goes wrong... I think it can kind of set the thermostat of the house. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way. <laughs> yes. Not trying to be graphic, but yes, like you, you really can tell when there's, when a wife, I'm not sure what to say. This is <laughs> <laughs> just saying if we have to edit it out later. Then no, I, I just, you can tell when a husband and wife has, have not been enjoying one another because it, it, it overflows into every other area. They're not enjoying it either. Mm, yeah. When there's, 
like hostility at the center of the relationship instead of warmth and openness yeah. and love. So, so yeah, the, I mean, the thermostat of the home is going to be set wrong if this relationship goes wrong. Even just working out of even one individual household, whole nations are destroyed by the misuse of sex. Whole peoples. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at many of the ills of our own culture, you'll find that, you know, in the way that if you throw a rock into a, a still lake and you the rock hits and then there's these ripples that go out, you can think of the misuse of sex as kind of like there at the middle. And a lot of the ripples that are going out, fatherlessness, we're having mm-hmm. massive increases culturally in the last 50 years of children being raised in single mother households without their father present, and then all of the different results from that downstream, mm-hmm. criminality, achievement in school, later achievement in work. Uh, I mean, there are massive, massive implications of fatherlessness. And that's just one, one little yeah. ripple that comes out from the misuse of sex. Um, our culture absolutely worships sex, and so it misuses sex. It doesn't know <laughs> what it's for. Yeah, I always think it's funny how the pagan people on Twitter don't actually... <laughs> They don't think you get much because they think, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Because they, they just think Christians are so prudish that there's no possible way we can enjoy sex because we put boundaries around it and that's just not possible to enjoy sex then. Yeah. They, they make the error of thinking that, well, the way that you enjoy sex is by removing all of the rules. Yeah. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. It's like, have you ever tried playing any other game where you just remove, how fun (laughs) is Monopoly if everybody's allowed to rob the bank? (laughs) It's like, it just doesn't work. Sex works when it's, it works properly when it's inside of the boundaries, the walls, the good walls that got us put up over cliff edges. Mm -hmm. And he says like, Hey, don't go here. Why? Well, because polygamy is really going to ruin your life if you embrace it. Mm. And, uh, well, like having a harem, digital hair and pornographically is going to ruin your life or having unprotected promiscuous sex with 15 different partners per month is going to ruin your life on Tinder or whatever it is. So obviously the misuse of sex is going to be a world destroying kind of thing. So let's talk about what sex actually is for and what are the duties of a husband and wife when it comes to the sexual relationship. Um, Lexi, what do you think what comes to mind when you think about the duties of a Christian wife with respect to sex and the marriage bed? And maybe are there any common pitfalls or temptations that she might face in this area? I think the biggest one that I always think of is wives are going to be frequently tempted for a variety of reasons to deprive their husbands. Mm. And we have a lot of legitimate and illegitimate excuses <laughs> to do so. Yeah, um, My hormones are out of whack. I'm tired. Yeah. I... um had to stay up with the baby last night. There's tons and tons of reasons. I don't feel good about my body because I just had a baby. Like there's lots of reasons. And so I, I just think that's a huge, just a huge sin. It's a sin too, by the way. It's a sin. What? It's a sin. It's a sin. And I am, we should talk about this though, because someone's going to say it. Like you, you talk about us on Twitter. You should have husband. You should have sex with your husband. Even if you don't want to, it's yes. not rape. No, and and we need to make distinctions here that obviously a husband should not be violently forcing himself on his wife. Of Correct. course not. That's like, not what we're talking that's about. Obvious. Any 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 couple that walked into my my office 
at the church and and we started counseling and I was like, what's the problem? And she said, well, he's violently We've had forcing. that. I'd be like, We've had that. you need to repent and, and we're going to have yes. serious conversations. That's a sin. Like he's sinning. Yeah. But, but if we're not it, talking, we're about not that, saying though. that when we say to a wife, don't deprive your husband, like don't meaning like in, and there are legitimate things. Like let's say you had a baby a week before, obviously physically you, you are yeah. not healthy to have sex when you've just had a baby a week ago. But I mean, Paul says this first Corinthians seven, he says, because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. Each woman should have her own husband. The husband should give to his wife, her conjugal rights. And likewise, the wife to the husband for the wife does not have authority over her own body, Mm -hmm. but the husband does. And here's, this is radical for the day. (laughs) Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So verse five, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So that verse tells the husband and the wife, when your spouse is interested sexually and it's an appropriate time, you, sh- you have sex. That's yeah. what you do. I think, too, you've said this before. It's been helpful. I've told a lot of wives this, like, the person who has a higher sex drive sets the pace of the relationship. Yeah, yeah and sometimes that's you know more often that's the husband than the wife, but not not always. There's op- we've I've as a pastor you kind of see it all across yeah. the the board, and so sometimes it is the yeah. wife that has the higher sex drive too. But yeah, that's that's wise. So so one duty it seems like you pointed out is that a, a wife should make it her goal that whenever po- reasonably possible. If her husband is interested in, and, and she knows, like, let's be honest, like, <laughs> you know, you can tell. When is he not? Ah. When is he not? Well, you know, sometimes when you're, young, you know, a young man in your 30s, for example. Okay, well, I'm going to stop before I have to delete all this because the editing will take too long. <laughs> but I think that's a good point, though, is that sometimes ladies can kind of play, you know, maybe play dumb. Like, oh, I can't tell that he's interested. Yeah. Maybe I mm-hmm. will pretend like I cannot tell. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. tell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. I can tell. I like you. It's The feeling is mutual. The feel, we have to like remember the context of this conversation regularly <laughs> while we're having it. Is that other people are actually, we have to remember that though we are in a room by ourselves other than <clears> Winnie, <throat> other people are in the room with us at the moment. Did you know that with every episode of Bright Hearth Podcast, Lexi and I record a short patron-exclusive episode on all sorts of practical things from fertility to finances to uh, other lost arts of homemaking. You can gain access to those and also support the show at patreon.com slash brighthearth, patreon.com slash brighthearth. And actually, there's all sorts of great merchandise. We, we give away a sweet patriarchy mug, a t-shirt with different tiers of support there, and also an Ask Me Anything sort of style uh, content that we make there. So head over to patreon.com slash brighthearth and help us continue to make high-quality Christian media that's hopefully helpful to you and your household today. So... Duties of wife, obviously, that's the most basic. Is like, yeah. yeah, be sexually available to your husband. What else? What else comes to mind? Uh, just creativity and freedom, I guess. As you lean into, as you're resolving sin issues in your marriage, and you know, hopefully, there aren't a lot of sin issues for everyone, but there are some very major sin issues that we've counseled people through, sex-wise. Um, 
And as you, as the Lord heals you in that way, there should, you should be on a trajectory towards more and more freedom and creativity in your marriage bed within the bounds of scripture. Yeah. Obviously. So yeah, I think for a wife that's, um, I, I don't I don't know if this is the right context for some of the really practical advice, but is this okay? Um, like we have talked about this before. Well, okay, first of all, communicating with your husband, I think that's really helpful. It's been helpful for me that you have taken the lead in communicating about this stuff regularly. It helps yeah. to talk about like what are your concerns, um, how are you thinking about sex, how are you thinking about um like what like the plastic surgery industry we've had some really good conversations because we live in utah where everybody has plastic surgery Mm -hmm. and so on my mind as a wife walking around with what what do i call them when you go to the park and it's like the the fancy mormon moms who have like seven kids but you can never tell and so in back of my mind you know we've you've walked me through a lot of that you've helped me think through this from a christian perspective yeah um even just basic conversations about pornography on a regular basis. So husbands taking the lead in communicating about that on a regular basis, I think is very helpful because as husbands and wives, both we have separate temptations in this area. Mine as a wife are going to be more inward sort of insecurities, I guess. Mm, So husbands, if there's a lack of freedom in your marriage, Take initiative and start talking about it, maybe. Yeah, that's really good. If it, When we're talking about the sexual relationship of husband and wife, if you read Song of Solomon, if you read Proverbs, for example, Proverbs chapter 15, in the first half of the proverb, Solomon instructs his sons in what not to do. Basically, this is bad sex. Don't, don't go down to this woman's house. Don't give in to the whore, to the pornographer, we could say, any kind of adulterous or promiscuous relationship. But then he switches, and right in verse 15, it, it goes from do not into do thou shalt, like mm-hmm. thou shalt not to thou shalt. Drink water from your own cistern. And he's, he's using these images as euphemisms for his wife's body, or her, like literally for her body in their sexual relationship. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad? No, let them be for yourself alone. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in your love. And so the husband is expected to set the tone in delighting in his wife, in telling her against the lies of the culture, like you yeah. were mentioning plastic yeah. surgery. Like, no, I, I want, I am delighted mm-hmm. that my wife is a fruitful vine. Yeah. I'm delighted that my wife does not look the way that she looked when she was 17 because it's a glory. It's a glory that both of us are going to age together because that says something meaningful about our covenant faithfulness to one another. It says something glorious about the purpose of our marriage, which isn't just sex for the sake of pleasure, though that's there. It's sex for the sake of pleasure and fruitfulness. Yeah. So your body's mm-hmm. actually preaching. It, when, when, you, when you undress your wife and she looks like she's 35 and has had some kids, husbands ought to learn to outwardly, verbally delight in the actual body of the, the wife in front of them. Yeah, she'll want to get naked with you more, so do that. She will. Sure. Like, if you just practically, if you, you know, all men, you can say, like, I'm taciturn, I'm quiet, I don't talk that much. Well, you need to learn need how to, to be vocal. Yeah, you need to talk about this. And, and, and wives, maybe, like, I think it, it's helpful for wives to hear this from from a a woman, the ladies who are listening, it's equally important 
that a wife be verbal and for it actually like for for her to the word that I use a lot from the pulpit when I'm preaching about this when it comes up in the text is uh, for example when I preach through Proverbs um, is that a wife should cultivate the uh, the trait of responsiveness mm, sexual yeah. responsiveness yeah. can you maybe speak to that a little bit what does that mean well you have talked about before the fact that some of what the porn industry gets about the way God created humans is that we're visual and we're, we're verbal with sexuality. And I think the way Christians have kind of introduced shame to that is we don't want to admit that to one another. So mm-hmm. we don't play into that at all in the marriage bed. So I think it, I think it is something that wives need to start understanding even how to communicate. What does their husband like yeah. to communicate about during sex? Yeah, your husband. Just to be blunt. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're when we talk about sexual responsiveness. So we're talking about a husband taking the initiative to delight. The command in Proverbs 15 is that he should delight in his wife. See that rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear. And it gets poetic. Like men should have a. Again, I think the when you think about the royal, the wisdom of the royal son which is what Proverbs is about, preparing men for kingship, rule, and godliness and wisdom, is that part of what the man needs to cultivate is the ability to use words well. He needs to be able to think well, read well, speak well, write well, within the bounds of whatever God's given him for his vocation and ability. Part of that is he ought to cultivate the ability to verbally delight and rejoice in his wife. And then in response to his initiative, his wife should cultivate not being like be shy publicly fine mm-hmm. be with you know be a, a a walled garden to use song of solomon's terminology yes but then when the garden door is opened for your husband and the lover comes in we're we're now in a in a different kind of place like it's even it's even right that lexi's like <laughs> uncomfortable a little bit talking about this cuz this is a public conversation and that's right for her to have a hesitance to talk about some of this you know overtly but what, what we're talking about is like an actual cultivation of responsiveness where most women will need in their marriage sexual relationship to – most women are not like too responsive and too yeah. verbal and, you know, mm-hmm. like they need to be reined in, you know, yeah. and like, hey, most women – would you agree mo- the more common temptation is to be – Yeah, when I've talked responsive. to ladies about this, something I've said is like you need to learn – and may, I don't know, maybe it's because we're high school sweethearts. Which we are. <laughs> we've been, we've been, you know, we, we wanted to marry Anyways, one another since junior high. Okay, so I have told women that they need to kind of recover fantasizing about their husband. Mm-hmm. That's not something that you're like told, hey, you need, to, you need some discipleship in this area. How much are you thinking about your husband? Yeah. Are you texting him when you're thinking about that? Yeah. Are you telling him when he walks in the door? I, and then I, I think what happens is, as as you start to cultivate those sort of habits, then it becomes easier actually in your bedroom yeah. because you are allowing yourself in a way to tap into um, the way God made you sexual. I don't know how yeah. else to put it. Like we just, as Christian women, sometimes we just shut that off so much yeah, and that's unholy. It reminds me of what happens with the conversation about money sometimes and wealth. 
where people are so scared of oh, greed yeah. and the misuse. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. Is yeah. that the root of all evil, Paul says? Yeah. So it's a dangerous thing. Sex is similar. This is a this is a nuclear-grade danger involved in sex. I mean, it can destroy a whole society. Yeah. So what can happen, I think, though, is that just like poverty theology can develop around Christians, where they actually begin to think that poverty itself is virtuous, well, I think you can tend to have the attitude where, where instead of cultivating high walls where nobody's getting into the sexual relationship, there's no porn, there's no adultery, there's no flirtation with other women or men, there's none of that. There's not, let there not be a hint of sexual immorality, Paul says. Hebrews 13.4 tells us, let the marriage bed be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, or God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. But what we can tend to do is then ladies, I think especially, can begin to build walls to keep their husband out yeah, and not let him into the garden. yeah. So cultivating sexual responsiveness is one of the, the highest duties with respect to the marriage bed that a wife can be thinking about. And, and part of it just begins with recognizing that uh, most ladies are not wired to think first about a lot of a lot of husbands are like, why isn't my wife being responsive? Why isn't she, you know, deli- seeming to delight in our sexual relationship? What's wrong? And it's like, she's just different from you, right? She's not naturally. She has to actually like intentionally open a door. Yeah, and it's, it's not that she can't. It really isn't that she can't. It's just that there's not. It, I think you as you practice it, you do get better at this. Yes, you need to like it, it, the marriage night. The wedding night's glorious, but it's not the best night. Yes. Um. It is a skill set. We used to talk about that a lot, that yeah. it really is a skill set. And so I think, too, if you're not communicating, I just, I really do think sex gets better the older that we get. Sorry. Um, as you have more experience, it does just get better. But because we're not talking about this as a skill set, we're only watching Hollywood movies where it seems like they just have amazing sex all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or pornography. Yeah. Then what happens is you have a young Christian couple that gets married and it's not like that from day one. So they must think, oh, we're kind of, well, this is boring. This mm-hmm. is the rest of my life. This is boring. And yeah. so then both men and women can sin yeah. with pornography, different types. You know, it's different for women. But um, I, I think people should understand in order for them to have hope that this is a skill set that you really can grow in. And can you name some of those resources? I don't remember them, but like some of the Christian websites, I know you've recommended mm. them before, but I don't know what they are off the top of my Yeah, head. off the top of my head. I, okay. can't, I can't remember. Um, There's two of them, but I don't remember what they are. Yeah, uh, to me, the most, I think a lot of them would just boil down to, as I think about resources I've read and trying to put it word on the street, super practical for people listening right now. I think the most important practical thing that you could do day one that would completely over time revolutionize your marital intimacy is a husband to take a wife in an, or a husband to take a wife, a husband to take initiative in leading the conversation. Yeah. Opening up and talking like, um, let's talk about the marriage bed. Let's talk about how sex is going. Let's talk about what, what could improve. Like, what would I like from you? And husbands have to be brave and just be willing mm-hmm. to say like, Hey, I would appreciate it. Like it would really serve me and delight me if you were responsive in this way. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to get more explicit than that because I think you can fill in the, the But you should get out. explicit but with husband your husband should. and wife. <laughs> Absolutely. The husband should be explicit in saying, this is, 
and not in a demanding way because this is no. just simply wisdom. It's not the way into the the heart of a of a woman mm-hmm. is not through demand. And I don't think those conversations should happen as you're laying in bed necessarily. No, I think they need not. to happen in a different sort of a context mm-hmm. so that the wife has time to really think and prepare her heart yes. for that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, so it's not like, hey, I need this in two minutes. <laughs> two minutes. No, exactly. But you should be cultivating flirtation through the day. Like text yeah. messaging is such a wonderful gift because you can communicate in a non-intrusive, fairly private way. And it's amazing. Way. To be honest, I, I talk to ladies about this a lot. Yeah. I am shocked at the number of women that I'm like, do you ever text your husband when you're thinking about him? They're like, no. I'm like, what? Shut. He'd be Do so it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. So, and like, like you can give yourself assignments. A wife could give herself the mm-hmm. assignment. Okay. This week, literally, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to send a sexually flirtatious text message to my husband at yeah. least once this week. Yeah. I'm going to initiate sex at least once this week. I'm going to tell him, like, I'm going to be more verbal in a way that I haven't been before. I'm going to be more creative in a way that I haven't been before. And just give yourself a practical assignment. Yeah. And the husband yeah. can say, Mm-hmm. This week, I'm going to make sure that I'm through the day mm-hmm. cl- like flirting with my wife so that she knows like when the kids are in bed mm-hmm. so that the pump is primed, the yeah. ember is lit and you, you know, you throw the, the, the kindling on it and it's going to catch flame instead of, well, the fireplace is cold. And so it's going to mm-hmm. take a while yeah. to get the fire started, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's fine. And sometimes there's like the wife can't use that as an excuse to be like, well, he didn't, no. he didn't ki- Pastor Brian said he had to kindle the fire. There was no kindling today. <laughs> and so the fireplace is cold. I'm going to make it really hard. No, be kindled. Yeah. Like be winnable. I think something that you've also really helped me think through is just like hormones, how they're not yeah. something to be ashamed of. Right. And you've helped me acknowledge like this is a very real thing. God made your body this way. It's good. Yeah. For these different reasons. But it just helps me be a more aware of like, because I understand there's something physiologically going on, mentally I can press through in a different yeah. way. I don't know if that makes sense. No, but that makes total sense. If you're like that's different. You guys don't understand that in the same way. Yeah, we haven't experienced it. It's literally like <laughs> men are getting a straight shot of testosterone yeah. all the time. Yeah. And there's some days that women are just like, I I at least for me, it's comforting to know like literally in, in a matter of maybe forty eight hours, I'm gonna feel entirely different about yep. this. Yep. Like the menstrual cycle for a woman is like at the heart of her health. Correct. It regulates her whole body. It's not just about having babies. It's like yeah. the whole, a woman's body is basically designed for nurture and life giving. And so yeah. everything about her body orients around that. Mm-hmm. Creation follows purpose. Yeah. Or I mean, purpose follows creation. Men are made for strength, yeah. for vigilance. They're, they're straight shot. They're much more steady. So a husband has to like study his wife. This is one yeah. of the duties of a husband is to mm-hmm. know his wife. He needs to yeah. know, oh, my wife is going to be much more sexually interested mm-hmm. around the time of ovulation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. t- man, enjoy. Yeah. And <laughs> I think too, it's important it for women to take their hormone health seriously enough that they're not just like, my hormones imbalanced. I'm sorry. I don't really like you that much, but I also am unwilling to self to be self-controlled when it comes to my diet. Oh, I think yeah, that's a really like that. big problem. Like, as a husband, I think it's helpful to hear like you have access, whatever resources you need to get this figured out so yeah. you can be healthy and energetic and they're for me and they're for the kids. Yep. I think that's really helpful as a wife to hear that your husband is kind of saying, go steward yourself properly. Here's the money. <laughs> go that's do right. it. Go get the good food you need. Go get the books you need. Go to yep. the doctor. Let's help you get this figured out. 
because it benefits everyone in the long run when that's happening. So yes. Hi Winnie. So if what I'm saying is if you're using your hormone health or lack thereof as an excuse, as a woman, make sure you're doing everything you can to be getting that in working order. My little girl saying dad, dad, I was distracted. No, that's a hundred percent true. One of the duties of a husband actually that, that I intended to hit on and I'll bring it up here is that a husband has a duty for providing an environment where sexual love can flourish. Which, I mean, one of the reasons Paul says that a man who is, doesn't provide for his family has denied mm, the faith is yeah. worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. It's, like, it's because a man failing in provision is similar to a woman failing in something like sexual availability. You know, a woman who's creating a cold environment for her husband, she's not sexually responsive. She is a cold, you know, cube of ice in the home all the time, frigid. That's a sin that's in a similar category for a husband failing to provide. Because the husband's failing to give his wife that which she needs to fulfill her duties. So a husband, practically, that means, men, if, if you want a good sexual environment, and I don't say any of this for wives to use this as a, a manipulation excuse for husbands. So don't be like, yeah, you didn't make enough money this month for me to be sexually no, available. No, that'd, no. Be, that'd be sinful. But a husband needs to be thinking, have I provided such that my wife can buy groceries and she's not stressed out about money all yeah. the time. Because yep. that makes sex really hard. Makes sex hard. Stress is not good on the body. It is yeah. not good on the hormones. You are cortisol. That's what Very stress bad. is. That is literally the death hormone. Sex killer. Yeah. So And literal killer. <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah. We, we, we've been talking about putting together resources on like more in-depth. I'm really passionate about fertility, yeah. nutrition, hormone health, Obviously. that sort of stuff. So, um. Why are you laughing? Because we have five kids. I said, oh. you're passionate about fertility. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I'm passionate about fertility. No, it's true. No, yeah. So we, we do want to get more practical at some point with a resource on this. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, when I think about the, that creating the environment issue further, it's like a husband who, uh, this is really true for a husband and a wife, is that both of them have to work together to create an environment where sexual love can flourish. Mm-hmm. And so if either of them is really hard, is easy to offend, Yes. Sex goes out the window. Yes. Because all of a sudden, one little statement, you're not having sex that night. No. If yeah. someone's in a huff, if you're easy to offend, like if you won't obey the Proverbs and just like cover offense, mm-hmm. and I don't mean never address sin, but I mean no. like if you just won't, if you insist on being offended easily, you will have a really hard time having a frequent glorious sexual yeah. relationship. I, I think about Proverbs 3.27 is a verse that usually doesn't show up in the conversation about sex, but I think it's one that ladies should memorize. And it's the, it's, it goes like this, Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So as a wife thinking about your husband, would it be good for him if you were very sexually available and if you were responsive to him? Well, what's that other proverb about? Let your breasts always satisfy him. Is that Proverbs? Yeah, that was Proverbs uh, 15, okay. 19. Make or that 18. your life first, ladies. <laughs> yeah, let, you know, she's, she, he's supposed to let her breasts fill him with delight. So that means he needs to see them, touch them. They need to be available to him. Like, if they're hidden away all the time when he's around, how is he supposed to obey the <laughs> command? He's just like thinking, well, they're there. They're out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I think part of this is like if women ugh, we just have such a martyr complex about I didn't yes. get to shower this week. Mm. You're gonna feel gross. Then I go have to take, take care a shower. Of kids. It's so hard. Like, I'm so tired. And we don't want to admit that 
we're like we're creatures. God made us. Beauty matters. I'm not saying that you need to go get a whole new wardrobe and drop, you know, 15K to be sexually available to your husband. But there are very little like, um, like classic feminine secrets that used to be passed down from grandmas, from moms, from aunts. And we just don't do that anymore for a lot of reasons. But this isn't that hard. It really isn't. It's like brush your hair, take a shower. Put on some lipstick, mm-hmm. uh, get a cute new t-shirt, and yeah. you'll be golden. Yeah. You'll be so cute. Put on a smile. Put on a head covering. One of the things... <laughs> Sorry. In nothing else. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of the things that um, usually triggers the feminists when I talk about it online is just these practical instructions that used to be that grandmothers and mothers taught them. Yeah. So I tweeted... You know, one of the first tweets that ever blew up that I had was basically like, ladies, if you want to have a, you underestimate the power that you have in your house often, and this is so true, to set the, a tone of joy and gladness, mm-hmm. here's what you do. Smile more. Yeah. Be hard to offend. Free. Free. Cultivate sexual responsiveness free. and creativity. <laughs> L- yeah. Free. Yeah. Um, be, talk respectfully to your husband. Yeah. Like, cultivate kill the acid tongue, kill the sarcasm, Mm -hmm. kill the, I'm going to cut him down, compliment him out loud, honor him out loud. And I think too, that verse in first Peter, I'm trying to pull it up right now, but it basically says that it's submission that adorns us to our husbands. And so I think if, if you genuinely like, if you're like postpartum and you guys have a bunch of kids and you have medical bills to pay and you're not going to the mall for like 10 years, because it's too expensive and orish, anyways. Um, yeah. Just trust that. Like, trust that it's your godly character that's going to yes. adorn you to your husband in these mm-hmm. ways. Yes, absolutely. But also understand we are creatures. It's not a sin that your husband prefers to see you with makeup and your hair done. It's not bad. No, no it's not a sin. And, and so I think, let, let me paint a little bit of a portrait, I guess, of like a, the, the, the husband who is living a, the, I almost said his best life now. <laughs> no, the husband who is pursuing wisdom in guarding and enjoying his marriage bed and the wife. Mm-hmm. I think the husband is going to look like he's going to be concerned about his appearance. He's going to make sure that he's groomed, that he's, that he's mm-hmm. managing his weight, that he's working on being strong and inviting the sexual attraction of his wife in the ways that are possible within your, we're all different. I'm not saying that you all have to look like Tom Cruise because it's just, we're not all Tom Cruise. You know, some of us are sixes out of tens. Some of us are nines out of tens and God made a world where that's true. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're a six, be the, you know, fittest, best groomed, work it. Yeah. Like work, work it on that front. A husband, you know, cultivating hard to offend. He needs to be communicating openly to his wife, speaking Mm -hmm. freely to her, loving her, being gentle with her, being patient with her, not being sarcastic, not treating her the way he would his buddies, like not Mm -hmm. making, uh, I've had to learn, like, I can't joke certain ways with my wife the way that I would with like my, my bros at the King's Hall podcast, because she's a, she's a weaker vessel. She's a, she's fine China kind of thing. And she's not built to enjoy that. Right. Uh, men, are you, again, creating an environment with with respect to your duties in terms of provision, 
taking mm-hmm. care of your wife, making sure she's getting the care that she needs for her own body, yeah. making sure that she knows that you delight in her, like literally addressing some of these things that you know she's thinking about. Like, because the world is full of women with, you know, wearing leggings and parading their bottoms. And yeah. He needs to be regularly telling her, like. That's not okay that they do that. Yeah. I, I have yeah. no interest in that. Yeah. My delight is in you. You are beautiful. You are my love. You because are- then what it's going to do is it starts to hold the wife accountable when she's slandering, slandering her husband in her mind. Enough times of her husband yeah. speaking that truth to her, she's going to stop. Well, he's probably looking she's at She's going that to girl. stop. And if you are doing that, you need to stop doing that because yes. it is slandering your husband. Yeah. Y- y- it's being uncharitable. It's being uncharitable because there are godly self-controlled men it's in the true. world. Yes. In- encourage okay. and respect your I husband. Talk about honor this. him. Yeah, let's talk about this. Well, like when all those thousands of feminists were sending you pornography yeah, a couple right. of months ago. Um, I, uh, I don't remember who, if it was Jordan or Amelia, someone was like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm fine, but I've never had so many people sending porn to my husband before. I'm not sure yeah. how to think about it. Like I was Ugh. genuinely okay, but it was just a weird thing to work through. So yeah. I got um, their angry creed in the mail literally the day that happened, which it's, it's basically an expose on feminism oh, yeah. in American history. But they were talking in there about how the feminists in New York City would literally like chant about the things they're going to take the patriarchy down with. And one of them was um, eroticism, homosexuality, and lewdness, I think. They would like chant these three things. And so I was thinking as I was processing that week and just praying like I want to have a correct response to this. I don't like my husband didn't ask for this. You know what I mean? No. So (laughs) Trust me. I, I did not. I was thinking about how the feminists failed to um, take into account the fact that spirit-filled patriarchs do not give in to the temptation of lust. And that's like a very real reality is that spirit-filled men can choose to walk by the spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's right. And so that's what I was thinking of how encouraging that is that, especially as a post-millennial Christian, like... The Lord is building his kingdom with mm-hmm. spirit-filled patriarchs. And that's why the feminists are not going to win. And I can yeah. laugh at them. I can laugh and feel sorry for them that they yeah. have to send these pictures as some form of, I don't, I don't know what. You know what I mean, <laughs> though? prove their path. Because we're enjoying our marriage relationship yeah. just fine inside the walls of our house. We don't. So they're, literally, they send me this stuff. And I have no interest <clears throat> in it. I'm, yeah. I'm just not even it because... I, I, I'm full. It's I'm, disgusting. And it's, it's, disgusting. it's sinful. And I know how evil it is and how world-destroying it is. And so, you know, wives, well, first husbands, you need to be honorable men and insist on being honorable men by yeah. grace and through faith. Mm-hmm. So that means through confession, repentance, walking in obedience, accountability, cutting off the hand, all of that first. But then wives do need to honor and respect and yeah. verbally, out loud, uh, encourage. And here's the thing. You see this in little boys. Men want to be impressive. Yeah. Hey, mama, look. Mm -hmm. Look at me jump. And then the toddler jumps two inches in the air, and he expects his mom to be like, you are just the most impressive creature I've ever seen. Your strength is like the strength of a lion, and you have the fitness of a dragon. And I would, I would, you know, you would protect me from hordes of orcs if they came in, two-year-old. Husbands Mm -hmm. are still met like little boys. in, in, In Mature, that's a godly desire is that women are the glory of man so she's she expects and should expect for men to see her and for her husband to look at her and say behold you're beautiful my love and he should expect for his wife to look at him and say 
Behold, your strength is glorious. You are self, you are a respectable man. Yeah. There was something else I was going to say about that mm. that I forgot. So, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> well, so we're talking about um, one, one fox that might get into the garden as well, I think, is because um, I talked about the ideal portrait of a man. Men should avoid playing into creating a bartering economy for sex. Oh. So wives obviously don't do this, but if your wife does this, don't give in. If it's like, if you're tempted to be like, if I do the dishes tonight, maybe she'll be sexually interested in me. Don't do that. Don't create that environment. Husband it's and wife. Weird. It's weird. It's common. I hope you've though. never done that. Heck no. <laughs> it's so gay. <laughs> when you're like, I'm going to go, but well, because you're treating your wife like a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a sad thing is women aren't realizing that 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 is yeah. what that is what they're turning themselves into when they when they do that or with a shopping spree. Like she'll get what she wants so I can get what I want. Oh, yes. And and that is just the demonic negative image of the godly design mm-hmm. which would be that each gives themselves to the other yeah. to serve the other. Yeah. And so on the other hand, the Christian wife should be, we have the Christian husband should be self-controlled, doing his best to be attracted to his wife, providing for his family, being respectable, killing sexual sin, um, pursuing his wife, glorying in her, rejoicing in her, being active in pursuit of her, uh, all of that, delighting in her breasts, loving her body at all stages. The wife, on the other hand, should be warm, inviting, respectful, a place of safety, joy. She, her husband should get the impression, my wife really wants to be my sole source of sexual satisfaction. Yeah. She is yeah. eager to please me. Yeah. That, that should be his conclusion. And he, nobody is allowed to sin against the other when the other falls short. Like, no one's Correct. allowed to say, well, my husband is 30 pounds overweight and he, you know, he didn't pursue me good this week, and so I'm going to sin at him. Yeah. And the husband can't be like, she was snarky to me today. And so, you know what? I'm just going to be really cold. That's the path of hell, right? Right. <laughs> it just seems miserable. It is. And we've all been there in, you know, we are all sinners. We all have the flesh. We've all had moments where we've done that, where we've been punitive with the other and we have to repent. Yeah. And go and, you know, do restitution, which can be fun in this, in this situation. <laughs> Can be fun to do restitution when the sin you had was withholding sex. It's like, wow, well, I need to now give four times. All right. Oh, Brian. <laughs> I'm distracted now. I'm really uh. hard. To... Uh, practically, let's talk just finally <clears throat> about um, some of the ways that the room of the house, literally the bedroom, we're talking about the bedroom and the marriage bed. Mm-hmm. What are some things about just the, the physicality of the room that can cultivate or kill sexual freedom? Okay. Um, I have two, two or three thoughts. First of all, I just really like, I love our room. Our room is simple. I feel like I'm in an Amish bed and breakfast. Yeah, I've worked really hard to not make it be the place where laundry gets stashed. That sort of stuff just stresses me out. I know it stresses you out. Yep. Yep. Um, so like really practical problem solving so that your room isn't like the problem room in the house. So you can actually enjoy being in there and that it's comforting and it's cozy and um, all of that stuff. Um, Second, don't watch stuff in your bed. Like if, 
If you have a habit of just binging on things every single night, like three, four episodes a night, every single night as a couple, maybe consider literally just saying like, okay, we're just going to watch this on the couch. We're not going to watch it in our room. Yeah. That's Ultra the first couch. step. Second step is just stop watching so much TV. Yeah. Um, because that's a bad habit. And you're probably not having enough sex if you're watching The Office every single night. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something we noticed when we got rid of Netflix. Things were already good, to be honest, but they got even better. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe consider that. And I think that's really hard. That's hard when you're tired and you just want to like yeah. go to sleep. Do or, something easy. Yeah, just do something easy. That's what it is. You're doing something easy. Consider cutting down on the television time. Third, be honest about, you know, we've talked about this and then it was funny because we talked about it and I immediately talked to another wife at church about it. Be honest with your husband. Like if they are staying home, especially when you have a productive household, sometimes mom and dad end up working on things after the kids are in bed. But you have to be honest with one another. If you're tired, you maybe need to come have sex with me first and then work on your project. Yeah. Because it is unfair if you're constantly working, 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 and mm -hmm. then you're like, hey, I'm done. It's 1030. Where are you? Yeah. Why are you asleep again? Yeah. You know, so. Yep. But you have to be able to communicate respectfully about that. Yep. So don't talk about it like the night of like, well, you know, you were doing that again. She's on hot. But She's it's okay. Like the next day, you know, the wife I was talking to, she simply said to her husband, hey, could we switch these, these time frames around at night? That would be easier for me. I want to be available for you. But, you know, honestly. We're humans. We need to go to sleep at some time. Yeah, you have to sleep. Yeah. So um, that solves a lot of problems, you know? Yes, exactly. Like the physicality of the room, your, your actual habits surrounding Bedtime. the day. And, yeah. and again, like I think this is so key for both the husband and the wife and equally important for both. Yeah, in different it, ways. There's different, yeah. You've got to be setting up your day so that it is very normal for you to have sex. Like yeah. flirting through the day. Um, wives, when you're, you know, getting ready for bed and the kids are in bed, putting something on that is obviously inviting. And I'm not just talking about like lingerie. I mean, just, just putting, putting on like nice pajamas, taking some time, get rid of the holy leggings and band t-shirts, literally yeah. throw them out. Yeah. Husbands, take your wife to the store, get her some cute get pajamas. Get a nice cute <laughs> sleep dress that's attractive to your husband yeah. and, and is accessible to him, you know, just literally accessible and I will leave it there, <laughs> you know, for people that are maybe their children in the room, but you, you have to actually think about this. Sex yeah. is a skill. Sex is mm -hmm. something that you have to work towards in, in many ways. It's we, not easy. In our culture today, it's like, it's already not acceptable to look feminine during yeah. daylight hours, but there's like something that happens at seven, eight o'clock when you take a shower, it's okay to like literally look at your worst forever. And that is not like, Wet hair and a big like yeah, mop on the top literally, of your head. And like there were boudoirs for a reason. We understood yeah. that silks and lace was becoming to a woman for a yeah. reason. These were things that her mother and her grandma gifted to her on her wedding night for a reason. Yes. So maybe, and I know it's hard. Like when you're having babies back to back and you're nursing. Yes. I understand that that's hard. But in some ways, th that literally, it was when I was pregnant at the very end of my pregnancy with my fourth, I trashed all of my pajamas yeah. and bought 
all new pajama sets. And it wasn't like a thousand dollars. No, it wasn't. No, 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 <laughs> but, no. But yeah, I mean, and and it was. She had my total permission. Trust because me, I knew I'm coming to my fourth postpartum. Yeah. I want to be feminine. I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel energetic. I feel gross when I'm walking yeah. around in leggings and trying to get my work done. But yeah. you can present yourself a little bit more. You know. One thing I forgot that we do need to talk about in this episode is when we're talking about sex, we're talking about something that is highly, that is, the, and, and really at the center of the home. What makes a home productive and fruitful is the differentness of a husband and wife coming together in order to create beauty and glory in life. Like, and I'll give you some examples. Like for, for a, a house to be fruitful and productive, the, the woman needs to be soft and the man needs to be hard. And I mean that, this is literal, that's literally true about sex. But it is true about, Think about the protection and provision of a home. If a man is not a hard man, like where he can't go farm or he can't go work hard and put in the time and, and hustle and bring home provision, he can't go hunt, he can't go farm, he's just, he's soft. Well, that won't work. If he comes home and, and wives have to be tough and they need to be strong. There's a, her arms are clothed in strength mm-hmm. in Proverbs 31. But she has to be soft too. She has to be feminine, warm, inviting, responsive, receptive. She has to be. Uh, she's a place of safety and nurturing in the home for 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 children and for husband forever. Like she's she's kind of like this warm center of the home. And so when we're talking about differentness in sex, it's so important. I think for the husband and the wife to each be aware of the differentness, study the differentness, and understand how to please this person who's alien to me, who is different from me, right? Because husbands, a lot of time, they get frustrated because they're like, why doesn't my wife just get this? Why doesn't she just understand that this is what I want? She is literally a different creature from yeah. me. She doesn't understand. Wives, same thing. They're like, what? What's, I, don't, I don't understand what my husband wants. So, so for, for, let me give an example on each side, and then, and then I want your thoughts on that too, babe. But the... Um, for a husband, he needs to understand that his wife is, um, that she is usually slower than he is in terms of responsiveness, where he's like, uh, uh, most men can, especially men in the prime of their life, can go from completely not thinking about sex at all to 100% like, I would like to have sex with my wife right now in the space of about I'm going to say a second, like, like one second, one thing. And it can be stuff that she literally doesn't even, isn't even aware of. Like the way that she bent over to get the pan from under the oven. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh my goodness, she's wearing that dress. She just, I know what's under there. I know the treasures in this treasure chest and I know how to get into the treasure chest too. All of a sudden he's, and he has to know. His wife has no idea this whole exchange just happened in his body, that he was immediately transformed and is now like going for it. Even if it's like 4 p.m. and he knows like he's going to have to wait a little bit, but he's going to need to know that. Right. On the other hand, I think one thing that like think about uh, the, uh, the average wife needs to know about her husband is that when she thinks about pleasing him sexually, she might just think about pleasing him sexually. But. She needs to understand that what pleases him is conquering and winning and impressing. Yeah. And so he wants to give her pleasure and actually know that he has given her pleasure to win. And that is way more important to him than just his own, like just nerve endings for a man. So a lot of the times wives don't understand that they need to, a husband is actually intended to focus on his wife 
and winning his wife, the wife needs to focus on being one. And so she might need to be in tune with her own body and be in tune with experiencing pleasure and vocalizing it and letting him know that she's enjoying him and that he's impressive to her. Does that make sense? Are you following yeah, like no, the Yeah, no, that does make there? sense. Yeah. Um, I think him telling her that she has permission to take a little bit longer. Yeah. It's, it makes it okay instead of like... That's never mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's so important though. It's true that he he has to take the lead in this. Like even yeah. in, if like if you're listening to this conversation, you notice I'm taking the lead in this conversation. I'm not telling my wife, "Hey, let's talk about, you know, lead us in this conversation about sex." I'm I'm leading this conversation so that I'm giving her shelter and protection so she knows like there's safety. She has to feel like I'm being a man. Yeah. Even for this kind of thing. So Well, and I think yeah. too him telling her like it's not a turn off that it takes longer. I want you to like this. That helps right. her not feel bad about it too. Yeah. Again, so it's again, it has to be that open communication. Yeah. Exactly. He has to be telling her like this is why a lot of men have this fantasy, I think, or this desire where they're like, why doesn't my wife initiate more? And she should, like, think about initiating and flirting with him and things like that. But there's genuinely a glory and there's a sexed reality here, and I mean that like maleness and femaleness, where the husband is supposed to conquer. Like, he's supposed to win and pursue. She's supposed to be one, right? And it's so funny. I know some people are probably going to listen to this and turn that into some rapey thing or turn that into some disgusting, sinful thing. But this is just a reality. The husband, the man was designed to kill the dragon, get the girl. Yeah. And she was designed to be one, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think, too, when you're walking in obedience as a wife, you might not feel like it. But if you're <laughs> obeying and you're praying in the moment, yeah, that... God can bless that obedience. Yeah. I've seen it happen a lot, you know? No, and I'm not just talking about yeah. for myself, but yeah. I mean, there are lots of... Absolutely. I counsel a lot of women because women don't talk about this right. anymore. They don't have mothers and I have total strangers that are like, hey, will you talk to me about my sex life? I'm yeah. like, well, no one else is going to, no so going sure. To. You might even wonder, like, why are we doing a podcast like this where we're talking it's so... It's because we get this a lot. Yes. A lot. And every time I've preached on this or taught in a very frank manner... And I agree that there's a way that, that it's possible to like pornify the, the, the pulpit and make it too explicit. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. But I think a context like a podcast <clears throat> here where you can listen privately and you can control who's listening. But the reason we're addressing it this frankly is because it has, you, you know, when Paul says you have not many fathers, like we have a culture mm -hmm. where we have not many fathers and many mothers who are actually shepherding and teaching their children. And within the church, like, here's how this works. And sexed piety is so dysfunctional in our world yeah. where we have hard women who are bitter and cold Correct. and we have soft men who are feminine and gay. Yeah. And nobody knows how to be just a normal, mm -hmm. non-machismo, but mm -hmm. normal, hard, strong man. And very few women know how to be soft, receptive, feminine, and strong in the right ways, yeah. women. And so what we need to do is recover a lot of this, my hope would be that in a few generations within our circles, mm -hmm. this wouldn't be as necessary yeah. because it would be, people would, people would understand. Yeah. So, so summing it up, I would say, um, and, and I'm going to ask you if you have any last thoughts in a minute, if you want to prepare your <laughs> thoughts here, but for, for the husband, you need to be thinking about provision, creating an environment of um, where, where sexual love can flourish, delighting in your wife, rejoicing in her, studying her, knowing her, pursuing her. 
flirting with her through the day, learning what, what gets her going, understanding her differentness from you and actually glorying in that, and then, and then pursuing her, mm-hmm. leading the conversation mm-hmm. about it. Wives, pursuing soft, warm responsiveness mm-hmm. to your husband, cultivating a sexual, uh, your sexual um, self towards your husband, flirting with your husband, understanding that he's visual, verbal, he wants to hear, he wants to know, he wants to know that he is pleasing you, to be winnable, and um, to, to be harder to offend, available, all of that. Yeah. What are your, do you have any last thoughts? Yeah, I, I just think like if you're really struggling with areas to find that you're impressed by your husband, um, just go read Song of Solomon and start thinking in terms of like those literal biblical compliments that she's giving him yeah. or just start giving yourself language to hang on to if this does not come natural to you. And the last thing I would say is you, we almost, because we are in a culture that is like anti-men being men, anti-women being women, we need to really question our notions of, I think there's a lot of women that are like, oh, I'm naturally super girly. Well, girly is different from biblical femininity. And our culture, we allow our culture to um, kind of fill that definition bucket a lot more than we should. So we really, I think we really do need to lean into what has historically Christianity looked at femininity as and masculinity as and be willing to question what we're inheriting from the culture. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Bright Hearth Podcast, where we are in this season aiming to recover the lost arts of homemaking and the productive Christian household, walking through the rooms of the house and looking at what it would look like to obey Christ in each of them. Just talked about sex in the marriage bed. Next episode, we'll be continuing to talk about the bedroom, but turning more to some practical issues surrounding childbirth and even end-of-life care in the Christian household. So thanks for listening in. We hope that the Lord blesses you wherever you are and that you walk in faith today. You're altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. 